Capo Caco remains out with an injury, but could it actually be a blessing in disguise for the former second overall pick? We discuss this and more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 969, the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Check. I want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So going to talk about kind of an idea that popped into my head. You know, we had a couple of days off here and I'm thinking about the Rangers and, you know, what, what is it going to be like when they come back from this uh, short break that they had here, the holiday break? And, you know, what about the injured players, Capo Caco, Philip Hedl, and Capo Caco specifically, it's obviously been uh, what can really only be described as a very, very difficult situation thus far for him. Uh, we did get an update about Capo Caco a couple days ago, uh, not too much less than a week ago. In fact, I think it's about five days now. But Capo Caco has begun to ski on his own. Uh, and again, this is a little bit less than a week ago when this news broke. So uh, seems to be moving the right direction, Capo Caco. But I wanted to toss out the idea that maybe, maybe the fact that he's been injured for a while could actually be a blessing in disguise for Caco. Not so much the Rangers, because I do think even though he's not producing offensively this season or wasn't before he got injured, you know, I don't for a second, believe that Capo Caco doesn't make this Ranger team at least a little bit better. Um, so obviously the Rangers want him back, and I'm sure Caco wants to get back out there too. That That's obvious. But I'm just wondering if maybe this injury could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. First, a couple of disclaimers. I'm not saying that I would ever want anybody to get injured. I'm not saying that I don't sympathize with Capo Caco and his situation. Obviously, these guys are pro athletes. They want to be out there doing what they do and, uh, you know, contributing to their team. Obviously, the Rangers have been uh, very successful so far this season. Capo Caco certainly wants to go out there and be a part of that. It's got to be tough for him uh, knowing that he can't really do a whole lot to help the Rangers right now. But as far as why the injury, once again, could be a blessing in disguise, let's kind of recap uh, the season that he's had thus far and then kind of uh, come back around to this uh, this idea that I'm, I'm throwing out there today. So to begin with, uh, Kako played 20 games for the Rangers this season, and he was struggling offensively. I don't think that can really be denied. Uh, just the two goals and the one assist in the 20 games uh, was nevertheless a, pl- a plus one, uh, despite the lack of offensive fireworks. But, you know, he just wasn't really doing a whole lot offensively, and it's not just the numbers. You watch him play out there. There there weren't a whole lot of opportunities where I felt like he was necessarily getting unlucky. Uh, He is very good at uh, maintaining uh, possession of the puck in the offensive zone. We've established that. And I think he was doing some of that this season, but you rarely saw Kako get to like those high danger scoring opportunities and get into a position where you really felt like a goal uh, was forthcoming. So uh, there's that. Um, There's also the fact that, you know, as far as why that's been a tough season for Kako up to the point of his injury is he started the season on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider and kind of lost that opportunity. Him and Blake Wheeler got flip-flopped because the two of them were both 
struggling. So it was kind of like, all right, let's switch things up and, and see how it goes here. The two of them were off to a rough start. Um, and then Kako, you know, again, doing next to nothing offensively, loses a spot in the top six, just kind of floundering. Uh, he was still playing good defensive hockey. He still grades out as like an elite offensive or rather defensive forward, uh, does Capo Caco. So he still does bring that to the table. Um, but when you're drafted second overall, certainly you're expected to do quite a bit more offensively by year five than three points in 20 games. I don't, I don't think anybody would argue against that. Um, and then of course he gets the injury, uh, suffered against the Sabres on November 27th. And he hasn't been out there since the reason I believe to bring this full circle here, why all this could be a blessing in disguise for Capo Caco is it gets to the point where, you know, whatever sport you might be playing at whatever level, when you get off to the start to your season as nightmarish as Capo Caco uh, has gotten off to, at a certain point, all personal goals and all personal aspirations kind of go out the window and it goes right to your whole mindset goes to the team, team first. And to begin with, I think Capo Caco is certainly a team first kind of guy. I don't think he would put in the kind of work defensively that he puts in if that was not the case. You know, a lot of guys... Maybe, you know, there, there's certain players that get drafted early and they go into the league thinking they're, you know, superstars and uh, they're just going to light up the the whole world and, and you know, put up all these crazy offensive numbers. Kako's never really been that guy. Kako is somebody that's already put in, always put in the work uh, when it comes to defensive hockey. But once again, when, when you get off to this bad of a start, all personal goals, all personal aspirations, they kind of go by the wayside. If I could be uh, permitted to share a quick story, the sport I played more than any other growing up was always baseball. Worst slump of my my entire, you know, playing days, whatever you want to call it, uh, was at the beginning of a season one year, 0 for 14 to start the season. It sucked. It was rough to go through. Certainly not the way that you want to start your season. But, you know, just like any other, you know, athlete at any other level, you want to be team first. And, of course, you are team first. But you also, you do go into a season with certain, you know, goals that you want to hit and certain things you want to do that are going to help the team win. By the time you're over 14 in a 16-game season, you know you're not going to hit those milestones. You know it's not going to be your best season ever. And it makes it very, very easy to kind of let go of all that. And again, just kind of draw the line in the sand and just say, okay, season starts right now. I'm going to start helping my team, um, you know, any personal goals, I'm not going to get there. doesn't matter. It's all about helping the team win. And I think Capo Caco could be in a similar situation. And again, obviously, he's in a much, much bigger stage than whatever stage, whatever the biggest stage was that I ever played on. But I think it's kind of the same where, you know, at a certain point, it just, it gets to a point where that's probably not even in your conscience anymore. You know, coming into the season, a lot of people were predicting Capo Caco to have a big time breakout year. Uh, Mike Rupp was one of the most vocal about it. I think he said like 60 or 65 points for Capo Caco, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. I myself thought it was going to be a breakout season for Capo Caco. I, I went a little more conservative than uh, than Rupper did. I, I think I put it at like 50 or 55 points. But again, that's not going to happen. We all know it's not going to happen. Even if Caco got back out there for tonight's game, uh, he's not going to get up to that high of a point total, it would certainly seem. So it makes it very, very easy to just kind of let go of it and just say, who cares? It's all about the team. It's all about how I can contribute uh, going forward to help this team do what it wants to do. And that's ultimately win a Stanley Cup. And that's another point I, I want to make here, because whether it's Kako or anybody else, anybody that you think that is maybe underachieving offensively, doesn't have the amount of points um, that maybe we would like them to see at this uh, juncture of the season, whether that's the case or not, it almost doesn't matter when it comes to what the team ends up doing because the Rangers, again, they have, they're one of the elite teams in hockey. Their record would suggest it. Uh, the way they bring it every single night, the way they compete every single night, that would suggest it as well. And if the Rangers win a Stanley Cup this season, that's a big if, and there's a long, long way to go here. But 
Every player on that roster, and I don't say this lightly, but I really do believe every player on that roster, Capo Caco included, immediately becomes immortalized in the eyes of Ranger fans. Because again, we are talking about a team, not to always bring this up, but it's reality and we have to acknowledge it. We are talking about a team that has won one Stanley Cup, one Stanley Cup since 1940. And when you think about that 1994 team, you know, anybody that was uh, fortunate enough to, you know, actually be alive when it happened, first of all, and also be old enough to remember it. Um, all those players are held even to this day in such high regard. And it doesn't matter whether it's a superstar player like Mark Messier, a role player like, uh, I don't know, Brian Noonan. Every single one of those players is highly thought of, uh, fondly remembered by Ranger fans. And if Capo Caco comes back and he's able to find a way down the stretch here, you maybe you get him and Philip Hedel back together on the third line. I wouldn't go full kid line reunion because I do like Lafreniere uh, playing with Artemi Panarin. And I don't want to drop all three of, you know, the former kid line players out of the top six. But maybe when, you know, everybody's healthy again, Heedle and Kako, they kind of rediscover a little bit of that magic. They go back out there together. Maybe the two of them together and whoever the third member of that line might be in the playoffs makes a difference. There is still time for this uh, story of Capo Kako's 2023-2024 season to have a happy ending. And it's not going to be because, you know, he's a point-per-game player flirting with a point per game or, oh man, 60, 60 points, whatever it might be. It's not going to be because of gaudy offensive numbers. It's going to be because he comes back and helps this Ranger team, which is already among the NHL elite, just get that much better. And he can do that in a variety of different ways. Even if he's not letting up the score sheet, we know how good he is defensively. That alone will help the Rangers. I don't think it's a coincidence that um, when he went out of the lineup, you know, the Rangers, they got a little bit leakier defensively, shall we say. Uh, he does make a difference in that aspect of the game. It's not exactly what we thought we were getting when when the Rangers drafted him, but it's still a way to help this team win. And he has a chance to do exactly that uh, whenever he gets back into this, this lineup. So uh, we'll keep our, our fingers crossed that obviously he can get back healthy and contribute to this team when he gets back. Because again, I mean, there's a long way to go here. And yeah, it's been a disaster so far this season for Capo Caco. He is an impending RFA, by the way, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But there is time for a redemption story to be written. And again, I just think the fact that he's been out for a while, it allows him to kind of collect himself, draw that line in the sand, obviously get a mental break. And look, he'd much rather be, be playing hockey than watching from the sidelines right now. But maybe, just maybe, crazier concepts have been suggested on this show and from other uh, Ranger fans for sure. Maybe it's a blessing in this guy's. Maybe he comes back kind of renewed, refreshed, and again, draw that line in the sand and say, okay, my season starts right now. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, uh, you know, help this team continue to win and uh, hopefully make a deep playoff run and maybe the last thing standing, uh, the last team standing uh, when this entire season uh, concludes. We will see what happens there, but definitely looking forward to getting Capo Caco back in the lineup uh, whenever that does happen. We'll keep everything rolling just a second here. I want to shift our attention back to the World Juniors. We talked about this uh, in a recent episode. We were previewing the entire tournament. The Rangers have three players there, and the tournament is underway. So we're going to talk about uh, those players and how they've fared thus far in the tournament. Also going to take a look at the Rangers matchup tonight against the Washington Capitals. And we're going to do all that fun stuff in just a second here. First, though, definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Game Time. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront. So you know you're getting a great deal without all those annoying hidden fees. 
Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Once again, terms apply. Create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We also want to let you guys know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the, with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, so we'll go ahead and keep everything rolling here. Like I said, want to uh, go ahead and shift our attention to World Juniors. And actually, as I'm recording this, there's a game going on right now. We got Czechia leading Norway 2-1 to one in the second period. But it's been a good tournament so far. And what's good news for Ranger fans is that all three of the Rangers participating in this tourney, that of course be Adam Sakura, uh, Gabe Perot, Drew Fortescue, all three of them off to good starts. Adam Sakura playing for Slovakia. We'll start with him. Uh, they kicked off the tournament on... Tuesday, defeating Czechia by a final score of 6-2. to two. It's interesting because, unless I just read this wrong last night, I thought that I saw that Sakura had been credited with an assist, but it's possible that either I looked at it wrong or maybe, uh, you know, official scoring change happened uh, sometime between then and now. Uh, regardless, not seeing him listed with an assist as of uh, Wednesday morning here. But he did have 22 minutes, 51 seconds of ice time. That was second on Slovakia. And I'm including forwards and defensemen, not just forwards. Second in ice time for Slovakia was Adam Sakura. He was also an even plus minus and had a shot on goal. Also of note, he is the team captain this year. This is, of course, Sakura's third time playing at the World Juniors with Slovakia. Um, he was listed as an alternate captain two years ago, but no letter last year. And now this year, uh, he is the team captain. And... A little bit earlier today, Wednesday morning, of course, it's a different time over there in Sweden. But for us here, anybody on the East Coast in the United States, um, we're talking about, I think it was a 6 a.m. puck drop for this game. But Slovakia played again, and they improved to 2-0. They defeat Switzerland 3-0. Uh, no points for Sakura in this game either. He was a plus two. He was fourth on his team in ice time with 20 minutes and seven seconds. Uh, that was second among forwards for Slovakia. Uh, the game I was able to watch, though, was the United States opening game. That, of course, happened yesterday, Tuesday, the day after Christmas, for kind of point of reference there. And they defeated Norway 4-1. to one. Uh, A little bit of a slow start for the U.S. And, of course, for uh, Fortescue and Perot, they're the two uh, Ranger players that are on uh, the United States team. But, you know, pressure-packed environment, it's, it's not that surprising. Uh, the United States goalie, Augustine, made a couple of really nice saves early in this game kept the game scoreless, kind of let the U.S. find their game, and they eventually got it going, started uh, getting to work on the forecheck, just playing more aggressively, getting some second-chance opportunities as well. Uh, the U.S. went up 3-0, gave up a shorty to cut the lead to 3-1, then got an insurance goal right back to go on to the 4-1 win, and uh, Brindley was named the player of the game with two goals. But as for the guys we really care about uh, as Ranger fans, you've got, once again, uh, Gabe Perot and Drew Fortescue. They both played well in this game. Gabe Perot was all over the ice. You can really see the talent on display pretty much every time he's out there. Uh, he had an assist, two shots, was also a minus one, and had 15 minutes and three seconds of ice time. And it's interesting because, well, well for starters, he's actually playing on the left wing, even though he's listed as a right wing. And he's playing with uh, two of his college teammates at BC, 
Uh, this is listed as the third line for the United States. You've got Perot, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard from left to right. And USA, you know, they got on the power play early, and Gabe Perot is right out there. So it looks like he's going to be a member of the top power play unit for the United States. Uh, there were a couple of other instances where he got close to scoring. He went to the net in this game, uh, kind of early in this game, and was looking for a pass from Leonard. They couldn't quite connect, but Perot did draw a penalty on that play. He was kind of zipping, you know, just straight up the ice to the net. Uh, he got close to scoring then on the power play, I believe it was. He had a one-timer opportunity from the right circle. He was robbed on a sliding save. Uh, but you just watch him play. He seems to really be a really good puck handler. Uh, seems to be a very elusive player. You know, when he's zipping up the ice into the offensive zone, you've got your hands full as a defenseman, trying to keep up with him and uh, see, trying to, you know, figure out whatever he's going to do with the puck. Um, we also had a little give and go opportunity, Leonard to Perot, back to Leonard. That was turned aside as well. Another nice save there. Uh, play that really impressed me though, because I haven't really heard, heard a whole lot about Perot being like a, a physical player. One of those guys, it's like blue collar goes to work along the boards, but there was an instance in this game where he went behind the net. He was in on the four check. I was really fighting hard to get the puck, came away with it, passed in front to Leonard and uh, the save was made there too. But that was cool to see uh, from Perot. And then of course, uh, he had a primary assist. We mentioned that just a second ago. Might as well go ahead and break down that goal. So the U.S. is operating on the power play. It's getting toward the end of said power play. And Brindley ends up scoring with eight seconds left. Um, the U.S. basically just staying with it, just relentless here. And Perot was able to find a rebound. And he very easily could have shot the puck. And as I'm watching this play develop, I'm thinking he's just going to turn and rip it at the net because he's in there pretty deep. But this is where you know, that high hockey IQ and just having a a big time feel for the game comes into play. People were raving about those aspects of Perot's game going into the into the draft this year. And it was on display here because instead of just you know turning and shooting, possibly just you know kind of shoving the puck into the goalie's pads, uh, he saw that his teammate was open on the other side of the ice. Uh, that would of course be Brindley, and he pass over to him and easy tap and goal for Brindley at that point. But again, just the, the instincts and the vision and just the feel for the game on display for Perot there. And it's just one game, but you know, you you do watch him play Gabe Perot and you see, you know, why people were excited and uh, why a lot of us Ranger fans were all pretty hyped about him uh, falling to the Rangers at number 23 overall. Still can't believe that happened, uh, but we'll obviously take it. And then as for Fortescue, uh, he played well also. You know, he had one assist, uh, two shots, 18.49 time on the ice. That was the second most on Team USA for this game. Uh, a couple of plays early in this game where you know he collected the puck in behind the United States net and just skated it out on his own, kind of got the rush going in the opposite direction. Uh, his passing seemed to be pretty accurate as well. He was also out there quite a bit on the penalty kill. Um, he, in the second period, the start of the second period, there was a power play um, where the United States were shorthanded, and he was out there right at the start of the second period. So you figure uh, he's going to be a big part of the penalty kill. And on this penalty kill, he stepped right in the way of a slap shot of one-timer, just an absolute missile of a shot, and uh, fearlessly blocked it. You could tell it hurt him a little bit, but he stayed in the play and um, obviously kept going. And then right after this, uh, Norway ended up having a five-on-three advantage against the United States. It only lasted for 15 seconds, but they put Fortescue on the ice. So again, somebody that uh, is clearly going to be playing at important, you know, junctures in the game, somebody that is clearly, uh, you know, trusted by the United States coaching staff. So that was cool to see him uh, get that opportunity. And then of course the secondary assist, basically he just passed across the blue line to Casey, uh, Casey to a player whose name I'm probably going to butcher right now, but uh, Snugarud, Snugarud, I, I believe is how you say it. I'm still learning this team, obviously, but 
Uh, Snugarud was able to turn, rip a wrist shot, put the U.S. up 1-0 at that time. So Fortescue gets the secondary assist on the first goal of the tournament for the United States. And again, you know, this tournament's a lot of fun. It's, it's especially fun for me, you know, watching these Ranger players. Again, there's only three this year, which is a little bit of a letdown. I want to say last year there were as many as like six or seven Ranger prospects playing in this tournament. Only three this year, but that's better than nothing. And um, it is great competition and uh, on it kind of strange hours. But if you're working from home, you know, there's a... Uh, that that's something you could put on and uh, just enjoy some good hockey being played because it is a spirited and uh, you know hotly contested tournament to be sure. We'll keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to switch our attention to the Rangers, back to the Rangers, and talk about their matchup tonight in Madison Square Garden against the Washington Capitals. Puck drops at 7 p.m. for that. So we'll discuss that matchup and who needs to have a big game for the Rangers. Uh, we'll do that in just a second here. First, though, definitely want to let everybody know today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. I've talked about this before too, but you know, I got a friend that's a big New York Giants fan and he never really trusts them for some reason or another, even when they're good. And he's got this strategy where he'll actually bet against the Giants because as he explains it to me, something good will happen no matter what. Either uh, his team wins or his team loses, but then he wins his best. So just kind of an idea to toss out to all you guys. But once again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's go ahead and keep everything rolling here. I want to shift our attention back to the Rangers and more specifically their game tonight, Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden against the Washington Caps. Uh, for the record, the Rangers also going to be in action uh, at the Panthers on Friday and at the Lightning on Saturday. So they got three games in four days. Obviously going to have to hit the ground running after this holiday break here, which is which is great. It's great for all of us. Uh, and the Rangers coming into this, still first in the Metro. They've been there for quite some time, 23-8-1. The Capitals are 17-9-5 and, and in fourth place in the Metro. They would be a playoff team if the season ended right now. Uh, the Caps, in their last handful of games, it's interesting because four straight games coming into this one for the Capitals that have gone to overtime or a shootout. Uh, from the least recent to the most recent, they beat the Canes 2-1 in a shootout, beat the Islanders 3-2 in overtime, beat the Jackets 3-2 in overtime, and lost the Lightning 2-1 in a shootout. And when you combine the fact that the Caps have obviously been playing in some close games, and so too have the Rangers. You know, they've played in some close games recently too. Rangers have been to overtime a couple of times recently. And the fact that it's Rangers-Caps, and it's always such a tightly contested game and uh, always really intense. There's a lot of fireworks and a lot of extracurriculars, shall we say. Um, you just get the feeling this is going to be a really good game, kind of an edge-of-your-seat kind of game, and a game that could very well uh, find its way into the overtime period. I, I almost expect that at this point, that this game will at least make it to overtime, if not the shootout. But also got to mention the fact that the Capitals dominated the Rangers 4 nothing in D.C. a little bit earlier this month on the 9th. Um, just a bad night for the Rangers. There's not really any other way to say it. They just never really got it going in this game. Ryan Lindgren's brother, Charlie, had a 31-save shutout. And, you know, props to him for doing that. There's no easy way to get a shutout in the NHL. But I felt like it's one of those nights where the Rangers just didn't make it difficult enough on him. You know, 31 saves, that doesn't sound so bad. But a lot of, like, empty calories there. A lot of saves coming from just non-dangerous scoring opportunities. There weren't a lot of second-chance uh, opportunities for the Rangers either. 
Um, just a game where the Rangers were not at their best, were not at their sharpest. Uh, this is also when Igor was going through some of his struggles, and he ends up giving up four goals on 29 shots. And, you know, this is also a stretch of the season that I thought was the worst for the Rangers that we've seen thus far. It's not like they were playing god-awful hockey and getting run out of every building every single night and just, you know, just playing terrible hockey. I, I don't think that was the case at all. But this was part of a stretch in December here where the Rangers, they played six games and went three and three, and they just weren't sharp. You know, two of those wins were kind of shaky as well. Um, the one win that they had against the Kings was really nice, but that was as much as the Rangers have struggled uh, all season, that six-game stretch that we saw at the beginning of December. And they've since seemingly turned a corner because since that stretch that I just talked about, Rangers have gone four and one. A lot of players have really uh, picked up their game recently, and obviously we hope that that uh, kind of carries over into this matchup against the Capitals here tonight. Also of note, you know, the Rangers, they held Alex Ovechkin in check in the last matchup, no points for Ovechkin, uh, but a lot of guys that you don't really expect to score that much ended up getting goals. Milano, Mantha. Mantha's been hot lately. He's somebody else to keep an eye on in this one. Uh, also, Wilson and Ante Kubel, uh, they all score for the Capitals. And again, just, just not a good night for the Rangers. It's the only time that they've been shut out the entire season. As far as the goalie matchup for tonight, uh, I checked right before I hit record here, and as of now, the Rangers have not announced a starting goalie, but you got to figure it'll be Igor Shosturkin. They're coming out of a break here. Igor's played very well recently. His last three games, he's been uh, very, very good in all three of them. And they've also got another back-to-back, another Friday-Saturday back-to-back. This is going to be the third straight week where the Rangers play a Friday-Saturday back-to-back. That's kind of a bizarre quirk in the schedule, I suppose, uh, but that's the way that it's going to go. And you figure that... In that back-to-back, for sure, you're going to see Igor get one of those games and quick get the other. So it just stands to reason Igor will be in net tonight. Then maybe you go quick against the Panthers and Igor against the Lightning. You know, the matchup against the Lightning, that's kind of the bigger matchup. The Rangers have had a rivalry with them the last couple of years. They had that crazy playoff series a couple of years ago. And you just figure that, you know, that that's the game where we'll probably more likely see Igor Shosurkin. And you don't want to have quick waiting around to, to play another game forever either. So you go Igor, quick Igor. Uh, to start this uh, little three-game stretch out of the break here. Um, so we'll see how it goes. As I mentioned, you know, Mantha's been hot lately. He scored a couple of goals in recent games. Uh, Dylan Strom has had a nice season for the Capitals. I know that the Rangers always get killed by their former players. I don't know if that extends to the brothers of former players, but food for thought there. Keep an eye on Dylan Strom if you're the Rangers because uh, we, we don't want that to uh, you know extend to family members because the Rangers get wrecked by their former players. We don't want that to include family members as well. Um, but there's that. And, and, you know, Strom right now is playing on the, the top line. He's centering Ovechkin and Wilson. So I think that'll be a good test for the Rangers fourth line, because as we've seen recently, and of course this game is in Madison square garden. So the Rangers will have last change and they get to match up how they want. Uh, the Rangers though, recently have been playing their fourth line of VZ, Goodrow and Pitlick against some of the team's top lines. And I think overall it's worked pretty well. Uh, there was a game against the Leafs not too long ago where, um, the, the Toronto top line just really couldn't get anything going. They were hemmed in their own zone for quite a bit of it. Um, and, and that fourth line for the Rangers has really played well. They're physical. They get to work on the four check. Uh, they seem to take a lot of pride in, in doing what they do. And obviously that's going to be a, a heck of a test. If you're going up against Ovechkin, Stroman, Wilson, um, there's a lot to deal with there when it comes to offensive prowess and nastiness and, um, just everything. So uh, obviously if the Rangers do intend to go that road to be a heck of a test for those guys. But once again, I, I do think that combination of uh, VZ, Goodrow, and Pitlick, I, I think they're up to it because they've played well recently. And for the Rangers, you know, the, the one thing that I'm looking for is can that top line of theirs kind of sustain that success that they've had recently? Uh, Mika's been absolutely on fire. I believe it's now 13 points in his last seven games. 
Kreider is somewhere in that ballpark as well. He's really been producing lately. And Blake Wheeler, a lot of people counted him out. He's found his game recently as well. Just looks more dangerous out there and seems to have a little bit more chemistry with Mika and Kreider. So I'm looking for a a big night from that line. For a while, that that Panarin line was carrying this team offensively 5v5. And it's nice that the Mika, Kreider, and now Wheeler line has gotten it going a little bit as well. So uh, yeah, let's hope that that Ranger top line keeps it rolling here. Uh, I figure we could pretty much call it there. Uh, for today, if you guys would uh, like to ever, you know, s- get in touch with the show, I did a mailbag episode not that long ago, but I was mostly just kind of reading uh, comments from YouTube. If you guys have any question, any topic you want me to cover on this show, feel free to email it to me. That's the best way uh, to do it. And I'd love to hear from you guys. We can make a uh, mailbag segments a-, a little more of a regular thing on this show. Uh, I just want to toss out there for you guys at the end of today's episode. But yeah, can't wait to, uh, you know, see the Rangers back in action. A little bit later here tonight. Hopefully, you guys are ready for it too. Hopefully, uh, everybody had a nice holiday break here, and maybe some of you are still on break. That that would obviously be awesome. But yeah, Ranger hockey's back, and uh, you know the way they've played this season, as many wins as they've had, I don't think anybody among us is going to complain about that. So definitely looking forward to seeing the Rangers uh, once again coming out of the break with a rivalry game and a game that should be, I think, an edge of your seat thriller. Uh, you know, emotions always run high between the Rangers and the Caps, and I, I don't think this will be any exception here tonight. But yeah, I figure we can pretty much call it right there. If you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, once again, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.